When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think what Catherine says is really true that there's so much divisiveness out there right now that to be in this place where that divisiveness gets healed just felt really good. Hey everyone, I'm Bianca Schultz from the Children's Book Review, and this is the Growing Readers Podcast. Today's guests are the powerhouse duo of Catherine Applegate and Jennifer Childenko. They're here to talk about the book they co-authored, Dogtown, which is a highly entertaining story that will inspire kids to cherish and appreciate their furry companions. Now here's what you need to know about these two incredible authors. Catherine Applegate is the number one New York Times bestselling author of beloved and award-winning books for young readers, including Otter, Home of the Brave, Crenshaw, Wish Tree, Willowdean, and the one and only Ivan, for which she won the Newbery Medal. She's also the author of the Animorphs series and a beginning reader series, Doggo and Pupper, illustrated by Charlie Alder. Catherine lives in Southern California with her family. Jennifer Childenko's best-known Tales from Alcatraz series has been called a cornerstone series in contemporary children's literature. Al Capone Does My Shirts, the first book in the series, was a Newbery Honor book and the recipient of 20 other awards. All four books in the series were Junior Library Guild selections and garnered many starred reviews. Jennifer lives in the San Francisco Bay Area with her loyal husband and naughty dog. Before I share our conversation, allow me to unleash the book synopsis for Dogtown. From beloved authors Catherine Applegate and Jennifer Childenko, and with illustrations from Wallace West, Dogtown is at once an uplifting story and a page-turning adventure sure to find a forever home in readers' hearts. Dogtown is a shelter for stray dogs, misbehaving dogs, and discarded robot dogs whose owners have outgrown them. Chance, a real dog, has been in Dogtown since her owners unwittingly left her with irresponsible dog sitters who skipped town. Metalhead is a robot dog who dreams of being back in a real home. And Mouse is a mouse who has the run of Dogtown, pilfering kibble and performing clever feats to protect the dogs he loves. When Chance and Metalhead embark on an adventure to find their forever homes, There is danger, 
cheese sandwiches, a charging station, and some unexpected kindnesses along the way. Hi, Catherine. Welcome back to the Growing Readers podcast. Oh, I'm so thrilled to be here again. And hello, Jennifer. Welcome for the first time. Yes, I I can't wait. I am thrilled to have you both on the show to talk about your new book, Dogtown. It's funny, heartfelt, and very entertaining. And of course, it's about dogs and the importance of taking care of our pets. But first things first, let's start with what likely be the most random question of the day. And Catherine, I'm going to start with you. Uh-uh. If I were to ask you to taste test a new flavored snack today to fuel you while you're working, what would you hope that snack would be? Does it have to be brand new? Um, can it be a, an old standby? You know what? I'm okay with an old standby. <laughs> Because it, I, I my go-to is always and forever um, buttered popcorn with a fair amount of salt. Um, in the end of the day, it's got to have salt. I'm not a sugar person. There you go. I do love some popcorn too. How about you, Jennifer? What flavored snack would you want me to serve you to get you through your writing day? Well, first, I just want to add that I have butter with a little popcorn. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I love um, caramel apples, and and now they've been making caramel apples with all kinds of chocolate and nuts, and you know the more garbage on it, the better. Yes, I love that. I think I relate to the more butter than popcorn too. <laughs> <laughs> I would love it if you would both share something about yourselves that might surprise or inspire listeners. And Jennifer, if you're okay, I would love to start with you. Okay. Well, um, one of the things that works for me as a writer is because I guess I have a lot of energy is that I bookend my day with some kind of exercise. Like I play tennis at seven or I do yoga. And then I can sit and really concentrate because um, there's something about exercise that first of all gets my brain going, but it also calms me down. And that's a a really important thing when you're writing, uh, to be calmed down so that you can really focus. Because I think focus is what it's all about. Yeah, definitely. Now, when you say you like to do yoga, do you like to do like a specific kind of yoga? Do you like hot yoga? I like hot yoga. And actually, Catherine's the one that said, you should try hot yoga. And I I never thought I would like it, but I, I go to a studio and it's like 85 and I just like drip sweat. Um... And um, I, I'm not really all that good at it. So like I stand by the wall so I don't tip over. Um, and um, the the teacher comes by and um, he's worried because you know, I'm not, you know, maybe as young as some of the other people. So he's always like fanning me because he's afraid that I'm going to fall down <laughs> in the middle of it. It's, you know, it's not pretty, but I love it. That's awesome. Well, Catherine, how about you? What's something that might surprise or inspire listeners? You know, I should add that the very idea that I suggested hot yoga to Jennifer, because I have never been in a hot yoga studio. I just thought it sounded like something she would like. I am kind of the opposite. I'm just a a couch potato, but I'm really, really working on it. And I think 
this might be reassuring since we're talking about uh, writing behaviors. I have been writing decades and decades, and I still have a hard time sitting down and looking at the blank page. And for me, the Pomodoro method, which a lot of um, uh, a lot of folks with ADD are familiar with, has really helped me. And basically, you set a timer for the minimal amount you can stand to do something. Um, in this case, I'm talking about a first draft, and you set it. It goes off, say, 20 minutes later, and then you take maybe a 10 minute break and go back to it. Now, if I'm really, you know, in the moment, that isn't necessary. And and those lovely moments do occasionally happen. But for me, it's it's a grind. It's it's always hard. I'm one of those people who loves having written, as the old saying goes. Yeah, I you know, as a mom of three three kids of really varying ages, when I get my work time, I feel like this is the time that I have to get everything done. And I've actually had to train myself to know that, you know, at some point it's just not productive. Just because you have the time, it doesn't mean it's necessarily the right time, especially if you're working on something creative. So to know when to step away and take that break is just as crucial as knowing when to sit down and do the work. So Oh, absolutely. Well, yeah, that's a good point. Oh, I'm glad you agree, Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go with the dog lover question now. So, Jennifer, what is it about dogs that you love so much and why do you think they make great pets? Well, I don't know if I would even use the term pet. I think it's more like a partner. I don't know if I would get any kind of a prescription for an emotional support animal, but I I use my dog that way. I think she understands me and picks up cues about me um, better than uh, some of the humans in my life. And so she is right there calming me down if I'm upset. And there's something about the bond that is really indescribable. It goes so deep because there's something primal about it. You know, humans have all these layers and there are different kinds of bonds and it's very complex, but a really deep bond with an animal is in some ways very simple and very strong. Yeah. Catherine, do you want to add to that? What What is it that you love about dogs? You know, I, I think everybody in the world should have a dog and the world would be a much better place. I think for me, I'm sort of a, a terminal pessimist. And for me, the delight about dogs is that they are eternal optimists and every day is new and every moment there might be a snack around the corner or maybe even a walk and there's just this ebullience this energy that I find so lovely to be around um so I, th I think that's a lot of it and the and the other part is exactly the bond Jennifer was talking about that feeling that you are understood and you're connected. I I am absolutely fascinated by that chasm between humans and other species, that inability to connect linguistically. And I think the closest you get to overcoming that is with a dog. So yeah, they're they're perfect. Yeah. Well, I'm a dog owner too, so I agree. Well, since we did a dog lover question, we have to do a book lover and a writing question. When it comes to writing books for kids, Jennifer, what drives you and guides you? Well, when I was a kid, I got so much from books. And I, as an adult, I love books. 
you know, they're one of the biggest joys of my life, but it's different when you're a kid. There's something that draws you to books and makes you feel like when you read a book that really you connect with, that it's written for you. You really believe that. At least I I totally did. So the idea that um, I could be writing a book that um, some kid could feel about the way I felt about so many of the books that I loved when I was a kid, you know, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Charlotte's Web, Across Five Aprils, all the Nancy Drews. And to me, it is so exciting to be able to do that. And I think I'm able to do it because I am basically 11 inside. Uh, and <laughs> I, I mean, I can really stretch and try and be, you know, 13, but it, it doesn't really work very well because I'm imagining being 13. Whereas when I'm 10 or 11 or 12, I am 10 or 11 or 12. I don't have to imagine it. I don't know why. And you know, my husband is always saying, this is not something you should be proud of, you know, that you're 11, but um, <laughs> there you have it. Love it. Well, I have an 11 year old at home. Uh, my middle child is 11 and uh, she would probably love having a conversation with you over me right now. <laughs> well, here's a question again for you, Jennifer, let's stay with you. Have you ever considered writing for adults? When I first finally decided I used to write advertising for a living and I finally decided that I couldn't do that anymore and I was going to be the writer that I really knew I was and so I started trying to write for adults and I it was a really terrible time in my life because I just didn't like it I actually got bored writing and I thought well maybe I'm not a writer this is you know something that I had believed all my life it turns out I really wasn't and then one day somehow it connected that Maybe if I could write as, you know, as an 11 year old, things might be different because everything I had written had actually been from the point of view of a kid or a teenager. So uh, previous to that time. So I thought, okay, let's give that a try. And as soon as I did, everything came alive. I mean, it was like everything was dark and all the lights came on and all the buzzers. And it was just so cool. And I've never been bored writing as an 11 year old. Well, Catherine, the question I just asked Jennifer on what what guides her and drives her, I actually asked you when you were on the show to talk about Otter last year. So I hope listeners will go back and check out that episode to hear your response on how children's books can lead to a path of hope because your response was beautiful. So I'm going to ask you this question today. Both you and Jennifer are clearly dog lovers, but in terms of what guides you and drives you, what other connection points or what else was it that brought you both together to collaborate on this book? You know, it's funny. I, I do think our inner 11-year-old sort of connected as soon as we met. Uh, Jennifer just makes me laugh, which is the best the best kind of human being to be around. And we uh, were neighbors, essentially. We didn't really realize we were neighbors until a, a mutual friend brought us together. But Jennifer used to walk her dog pretty much right past my backyard. And when we finally started talking about writing, we had uh, so much in common, most especially, I think, our love for middle grade. I absolutely believe there is no other group of young readers to write for. I love picture books. I love YA. But there is something remarkably special about middle grade readers. They're imaginative and open-minded and uh, honest in a way that is sometimes difficult, but always, always helpful. And so I think we both 
realized how much we loved writing books that were both poignant and funny and directed toward that particular group of human beings. And it just, we, to this day, we're still arguing about whose idea it was to write the book together. (laughs) I think it was Jennifer. Jennifer thinks it was me. And um, I'm just really glad we, we came to an agreement because I think Dog Town is just a really, really special book. Well, then what did the process look like in, in writing this book? And, and who wrote what? And, and how did you get the story so seamless between the both of you? Because there's no telling for a reader as to that two authors wrote this story. It, it, it feels like one author wrote it. So, so what was the process? And Jennifer, why don't you start us there? Uh, well, I just wanted to add one thing to the previous question, which is that how did this happen? Sometimes things are just kind of meant to be. And they just, it's like, it's like falling out of bed and everything just kind of falls into place. And that's what happened with this idea and the idea of working together, you know, Dogtown. I mean, we, not that we didn't have, go down a lot of, you know, rabbit holes (laughs) in the wrong direction (laughs) before this came into being, but it really had a sense of inevitability. And as far as how we did it, the, Interesting thing to me is, I mean, I have been writing by myself my whole life, uh, and everything is about me and my decision, this and that, and this and that. And so it was really refreshing to actually have someone else on board during the process. I did not think I would necessarily be a good candidate for writing with someone else, but it turned out to be kind of just what I needed in terms of a shot in the arm for my creativity, because I I would send something to, to we, we email all the time. I mean, we email sometimes five times a day. It's just kind of crazy. Uh, <laughs> I send something to Catherine. Catherine would send it back. Uh, I would have trouble with something. I'd say, here, you do it. And then <laughs> she, would, she would fix it and send it back to me. So I don't know exactly. I mean, I can't give you a, a granular structure for how it all worked, but it all kind of, it was kind of like all in some kind of a chaos that turned into an order. I love it. Catherine, <laughs> do you want to add anything there? Yeah. I, I, the only other person with whom I've collaborated is my husband. We did a series many years ago called Animorphs. And even then, as many of those books in a row as there were, and there were, were a lot, we could never really describe the process. And people are fascinated by it because I think they assume, oh, you switch voices or you switch chapters or someone takes description and dialogue and someone else does you know, the heavy duty action, but we did all those things. And I think the same thing was true with Jennifer. I always, it's a, it's a sad old joke, but I always say it's like sausage and legislation. You don't want to see how it's done, but when you're done, you've got something and um, you're just throwing a whole bunch of stuff into a, a blender and seeing what comes out at the other end. And luckily I think it helps so much that we have similar, um, interests. And we had written, I I would say the same kind of books in many ways, books about, you know, um, that had hope and humor in them, but also had some, some real substance. And so it just, it just magically happens. Jennifer, you mentioned, and you were kind of laughing when you said it, that you went down some some rabbit holes and then Catherine laughed immediately. And so then I was left feeling curious 
Like, what's the worst idea that that you feel like the two of you came up with that you had to just oh, uh, leave man. behind? <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember. I, I'm not going to tell you exactly what it was because it's sort of embarrassing. But I remember <laughs> at one point, Catherine going, "Hmm, well, I suppose <laughs> we could do that." <laughs> I, know. I was just dredging was, through my oh my no, memory. we don't want to do that <laughs> no no no, no. <laughs> all right well we'll move along even though I'm still very curious Catherine I know that you love research so what kind of research did you both do for Dogtown and, and did you visit a pet shelter oh well I'll let Jennifer speak to that more but we went into it knowing I think both of us a lot about dogs which was great it made it a little bit easier I didn't know as much about, say, otters. But I had a dog a while while back named Goofy, who was this delightful, enormous yellow lab who uh, I had trained. They called it CGC training. I'm not sure I even remember what that stands for, but it's... uh, a dog that is certified to go into things like hospitals and schools and that kind of thing as a uh, to visit. And Goofy was specifically a reading animal, a reading buddy for uh, us. Mostly we worked in spectrum classrooms and the kids were so delightful and they adored Goofy and he was wildly uh, inappropriate sometimes. He was not a well-behaved dog, (laughs) despite my best efforts, but he was so much fun. And it was because that does touch very much on, um, on part of Dogtown, this idea of reading buddies and dogs connecting with kids that way. So that really, really helped. And Jennifer can tell you a little bit more about her work with the Humane Society. Uh, yeah. So I volunteer at Marin Humane. Uh, I have been a dog feeder, the afternoon dog feeder, and now I'm a dog training assistant. And that turned out to be extremely helpful in getting some of the details around a shelter first off, because I think it's good to ground stuff in no matter how fantastical the world that you're creating is, if you ground it in reality, there's something solid about it that just wouldn't happen if you just lived totally in your head. Also, it really brought home some of the, you know, the the issues. You know, it turns out that big dogs don't get adopted very often, for example. And every time before I go to volunteer, my husband always says, one husband one dog. <laughs> <laughs> he might be quite a genius. <laughs> but I got to tell you, that was hard. You know, there were these two um, part wolves that um, really stayed for such a long time. And I was so worried about Caldra, this one of them. I just I was a little beside myself. It was it was hard. Mm. Here's a question specifically relating to the dogs in Dogtown. I know that you said you don't quite remember who had the idea for this story first, but to the best of your knowledge, I want to hear about how the idea of robot dogs versus real dogs came about. Well, when we were throwing ideas around, the idea of robot anything had crossed our minds repeatedly. And I think it was Jennifer who who combined 
robot and dog. And it was just, it was just so much fun to think about what that would mean because we think of dogs as flesh and blood dogs as nothing but heart and soul and love. And what does it mean when you are programmed for all that? So it led to instantly to all kind of potential plots. And I think that's kind of where it started. You mentioned a thing that we all bond over with dogs is is their heart and their soul. Jennifer, will you touch on the beautiful concept from the story that your heart is a muscle, it gets stronger the more you use it? Yeah, um, that's just sort of evolved as the story evolved. And it's something that um, I've noticed in life, you know, that when you kind of put yourself out there and and try to, you know, be the person that you want to be, it you get it's easier to keep doing that. So that was something that uh, really resonated with me. But just in terms of how the idea came about, I mean, one thing we were looking at is we wanted an idea that wasn't like every other idea out there. And you know, there are a billion dog books, and there are some really wonderful ones. But we wanted to have an I- idea that wasn't just another dog book. So I think that's where our feelers were were kind of looking at, well, what can we do that was different? So when you have you have Metalhead, who is the robot dog, and we have Chance that is the real dog. And at the beginning of the story, Chance has a big heart and uh, a lot of the dogs that are real have have a lot of judgment on the robot dogs because they don't have heart. If we take Metalhead as the robot dog and then we have Chance as the real dog, what do you want listeners to know that maybe haven't read the book yet about those two characters without giving away any spoilers? Well, the the phrase that instantly comes to mind is unlikely friendship. And I think a lot of what this book is about is overcoming those differences we have, uh, you know, not to get too, too global about it, but community matters. And we are in a place right now as a country where, it, you know, differences are all we talk about. And here we have in this, you know, microcosm, this little shelter, these very, very different dogs and watching them connect, I think is, is really healing. Uh, at least uh, it was for me. Yeah. Um, you know, I always love to write, but I, I really liked being in this book while it was evolving. And I think what Catherine says is really true that there's so much divisiveness out there right now. That to be in this place where that divisiveness gets healed just felt really good. We definitely cannot pass up on talking about the really fun illustrations. So, Jennifer, why don't you talk to us about the illustrations? Um, When Wallace West um, agreed to uh, illustrate this book, we won the lottery big time. We suspected because we saw his dogs that he would be good at it, but we did not realize just how deeply he got the book and how much he would add by the illustrations, bringing the book to life and shaping the book. Because illustrations really do that. They they give a form to a book um, that it does not have without it. And he just has such a quirky, funny sense of humor. And he's so original. His his illustrations do not look like anybody else's. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
you know, I, I wasn't quite sure about him at first. And then we asked for some sketches of robot docs. And it was like, oh my God, he totally got it. It was so, it was like, that was one of the high points of my career when I got this, <laughs> we got this in the email, this, these different, you know, robot dogs he'd come up with. It was like, oh, wow, this guy, he got it. I was, I was sitting next to my son. We were reading side by side. He had his book, which was another highly illustrated book. And I was reading this and I kept laughing. So he had to put his book down to come and see what I was laughing about. <laughs> Uh, and the, the one that I remember the most that he thought was really funny, it was the illustration of metalhead that's all labeled, like his anatomy is all labeled and um, the farting bottom. And my my son thought that the fact that this robot dog <laughs> farts was just hilarious. <laughs> so what is some of your favorite illustrations from the book, Catherine? Well, of course, there's there's the toilet. I, I, you know, we have all seen our dogs drink out of the toilet. So I I have to put that one up. I eventually I'm going to have that printed and put in my bathroom for sure. But there are a couple where um, Metalhead is having these really poignant moments. And it, it just astounds me. I'm not remotely uh, artistic in, in, you know, a visual way. But the way Wallace got these really moving moments out of just a line or two it it just boggles my mind we, uh, Jennifer was absolutely right that we won the lottery so I think some of my very favorite illustrations are anything involving the the robot dog what about you Jennifer any any favorite pots uh yeah I love um I love the combination of real dogs and metal dogs and I love somehow when Chance and Metalhead interact in a kind of something like a prison setting. <laughs> I don't know why, <laughs> but I mean, it is a little like a prison that, you know, Candle, I got to tell you, it, it is. Um, but I, I don't know, that just cracks me up. And I also like what he did with Mouse. He, he made Mouse come to life in a way that I hadn't, you know, imagined. And so that added a lot also. Catherine, I would love to know what your favorite thing is that Jennifer brought to this book. Oh, where to even start? It, 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 it's, it's so broad, but the heart and the humor. I knew working with her that the book would be funny. And that, that as I said, that's the thing that draw, drew me to her as a, both as a person and to her books. I also knew that she would be so good at plotting and at generating ideas. Plotting is really difficult for me. And so, you know, when there was a, a moment of, oh, I don't know where this should go, Jennifer always had you know, a thousand ideas and they were all brilliant. I'm working on a book solo now and it's it's really kind of a bummer because I don't have that, <laughs> that wonderful support network anymore. So I may just have to send everything to her to have it vetted now. Jennifer, what about you? What's your favorite thing that Catherine brought to this book? Well, I remember at the very beginning of this process that we agreed, and this is going to sound maybe weird to you, but that our friendship would come first. And we've really kept that, that the friendship comes first and the book comes second. And I know, you know, you're supposed to put the book first, but it turns out that when you're collaborating with someone, having the friendship come 
first is really, really important. So that that that's one thing. But what I've learned from watching Catherine make decisions and interact, she's a lot more astute, you know, professionally than I am. <laughs> um, so she is. So it was, it's really been, that's been a, a learning experience. But the, the most fun thing is when, you know, we could make each other laugh. She would send something and I would crack up and I would send something and she would crack up. And somehow that life really, I think, infused into the book. Like I said up front is when I read the story, had I have not known it was co-authored, it felt so seamless. And just the two of you definitely, my kids think it's funny when I use this word, but you vibed, like you you vibed together and it just, it feels like one person wrote it. Okay, let's stay with you, Jennifer. What are your hopes for this book when it's out in the world? What do you hope readers will take away? Well, our first number one goal at, um, was that we write an entertaining book. You know, I mean, especially as we said, you know, it's it's hard out there right now. I mean, we we as a country have been through an awful lot uh, with the pandemic, et cetera. And, you know, we wanted to entertain. We did, you know, we wanted to have an entertaining book, but we also wanted to have something that, you know, once you're done, it's not like eating McDonald's. You know, there's something, there's still something there. So we wanted an entertaining book that also had some gravitas. You know, Jennifer's so right. At, at the end of the day, I think the most important thing is that you write a book that, that even if it's just one child, they, you know, they hug it to their chest and love it. It's so important to be entertaining. And I was a very reluctant reader. Uh, it took me a long time. Charlotte's Web was my gateway drug, but it took a long time for me to, to really understand how wonderful reading can be. And so, you know, if, if one kid picks this up and loves it and laughs and maybe thinks a little bit more about, about friendship and kindness, I think we've done our job. Absolutely. Well, we can't have the Growing Readers podcast without talking about how to be a writer, they say you need to be a reader first. And Catherine, in our last conversation, you talked about how you were slow to come to reading but when your third grade teacher read Charlotte's Web, the concept of talking animals really hooked you. So, Jennifer, I would love to hear from you on whether there was a pivotal moment in which you considered yourself a reader. Well, my father was a big reader, so he read a book a night and reading was kind of a part of our household. And so I loved reading right from the start. And, you know, one of the things that I remember the first book I read, which is kind of amazing. It was The Carrot Seed, which is a wonderful book. I've read it a million times since then because, you know, it just, I was so proud to be able to read that book. And I loved the story. And and again, it felt, as I said, like it was talking to me, you know, that hopefulness. So there's just a lot of books that I loved. And I was fortunate that my older sister used to read to me. And I still remember she was reading a book and we were on vacation. She lost it. We somehow lost it in the airport and I've never forgiven her for it. <laughs> but, you know, in terms of the books that I liked, I loved Harriet the Spy. I really thought, you know, Harriet the Spy was me and I don't know why. Um, but I also thought 
you know, in Sarah Crew and A Little Princess was me. And um, I love The Secret Garden and I love Charlotte's Web. Uh, I love The Egypt Game, which I was fortunate enough to be in a critique group with Zilpha Keatley Snyder as an adult, which is kind of amazing because I loved her book as a kid. Uh, what else did I love? I loved Across Five Aprils and uh, The Muffets and A Wrinkle in Time and The Island of the Blue Dolphins, which I know is you know, maybe not politically correct right now, but I loved it when I was a kid. Yeah. Oh, I loved it too. <laughs> yeah. Catherine, I'm, I did kind of pass over you on this question because you you already answered it when we talked about Otter, but just in terms of growing readers, is there anything that you want to add on like a, a nice tip for what you think can help raise readers? You know, I think it's so important to let kids fall in love with any kind of written word. You know, maybe it's not the the fiction that mom and dad necessarily would choose maybe it's a graphic novel my daughter had dyslexia growing up still struggles and for her Rena Telegmeyer's books like smile and drama were life-saving audiobooks were a huge help and i think to, all too often um you know parents get i up in arms about oh you know i remember i I to this day I think Junie B. Jones is one of the best series ever written for kids. I just think it's hilarious, and uh, there are parents who don't like it because she was she she misbehaved. Same thing with oh anything Dave Pelkey, my gosh, I I adore. So I think it's really important to just you know open the doors wide. Anything that involves words on paper or on a laptop, go for it. Yes, reading is reading is reading. Exactly. Before we go. What's one important point that you would like the growing readers listeners to just take away from our chat today? Well, just to add to what Catherine says, I think that Dave Pilkey should get the Presidential Medal of Honor because he got so many kids to read. So anytime a book gets a kid to read, it is a magical book. And one of the things that we worked on with Dogtown and that Catherine really understood that I it was new to me was, you know, doing shorter chapters. Because when a kid finishes a chapter, it really feels great. You know, they finished a chapter. And so if you have shorter chapters, you know, they have that feeling of accomplishment. Because when you're first starting to decode, you know, I think this is a book for after an easy reader, when they're first starting, you know, early middle grade, this is a really good book because, you know, they can feel like, wow, I read a real book with this one and I laughed and it was fun. I think something too that we we didn't really touch on yet is just the, the really short chapters are so great. And we did talk about the illustrations, but how the illustrations add to that page turning effect too, where you're still getting more of the story, but it's also rewarding that the kids can get those pages turned and, and feel accomplished and how far they're getting in, in deep into the book. I love that aspect. And I've talked about it on the podcast before, but there are a lot of parents that say, oh, my kids only want to read graphic novels. Why only graphic novels? Well, like 
Catherine said, any reading is reading, and it's great. I love an illustrated chapter book for those parents that really feel like they have to insist that their kids read something other than a graphic novel. An illustrated chapter book is such a great segue into reading maybe a few more words on a page, but still getting the those illustrations that the kids just love. And I mean, like you said too, Jennifer, there's decoding that happens with understanding a story by looking at the illustrations. I mean, they work hand in hand. So Catherine, what one important point would you like the Growing Readers listeners to take away? I love what you just said about illustrated chapter books. That's so true because I think my daughter used to call them fat books, you know, book real books. And for struggling readers, Dogtown is absolutely perfect, but it's got enough uh, content and humor and subtlety, especially in the illustrations, that I think it will work with older middle grade readers too, because it's got a lot, there's a lot of action, things happen. So it's it's not a static book at all. Um, I think it's just really important to remember there's a, a saying, I can never remember who said this, fiction makes immigrants of us all. And I love that phrase because I think it's so important for a child to go to other places in a book. It doesn't have to be a human place. It can be, you know, inside the mind of an animal, uh, understanding how that must feel develops empathy. And at the end of the day, that's what reading is all about. It's about developing empathy and compassion. And I think this book will help. Well, I am very confident that Dogtown will do more than just entertain. Like you said, compassion is an essential value and stories about animals are perfect for cultivating it in young minds. So I believe that Dogtown is a story that will inspire kids to cherish and appreciate their fairy companions. It's full of heart and brings joy and laughter. And who doesn't love a book that makes you smile? So thank you both for writing it. Thanks for writing all the incredible books you've both put into the world. And just thanks for being here today. You're both appreciated so much. Thank you. Thank you. This has been so much fun. Thank you so much for joining us on this quest for growing readers. Be sure to check out our show notes. You'll find links to order a copy of Catherine Applegate and Jennifer Cheldenko's Dogtown. You can find out more about Catherine Applegate at catherineapplegate.com and Jennifer Cheldenko at jennifercheldenko.com. Both links are in the show notes too. And remember, if you love listening to the Growing Readers podcast, you can hear it on Apple Podcasts, Chromecast, Spotify, or anywhere else you enjoy listening. Be sure to follow the show to get new episodes as soon as they launch. If you're enjoying our book chats, please leave us a review. And most importantly, go and tell a friend to come and have a listen. The Growing Readers Podcast is a production of the Children's Book Review. To find more books just like Dogtown, I hope you'll visit us at thechildrensbookreview.com.